Hello, and welcome to the Girl's Fuel podcast. My name is Haley. I'm a registered dietitian and nutrition coach here to help you along your health and fitness journey by providing evidence and experience-based knowledge, and as always, full transparency. Today, I am joined by my friend and colleague, Sarah Bishop. You guys should know and love her already. So, Sarah, you've had, I feel like, a lot of exciting things happen lately. So what is new? What is going on? Yeah, I'm trying to remember the last time we recorded, but biggest news, I would say, is merging businesses and starting a new coaching and education company that is Fortify Health Coaching, myself and my good friend, colleague, she's been on the show, Meredith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Meredith and I launched Fortify into the world in December. So been, you know, just really busy with that. Um, We're currently kind of focusing on the menstrual cycle and, and menstrual cycle health, hormones, women's hormones, all the things there as far as like our content. Um, so like blog posts, newsletters, all that fun stuff. So that's been great. Our clients were all super stoked, you know, about it. I mean, nothing really is changing for them necessarily, but, um, you know, we got some good feedback. So that was, it was, it was a smooth launch. So we were both grateful for that. And that's what we want. And it was so cool just watching you, you know, go from, you know, the idea of doing that and building it behind the scenes and making it happen. Like so cool. Thank you. Yeah, that was definitely a lot of our walk and talk conversations. <laughs> yes, those are essential for survival. I'm convinced. Yeah, agree. Yes. So today we are going to talk about, I feel like a topic that comes up a lot for us with our client cases, and that is cholesterol. I feel like we have far too many clients coming to us that are healthy, not overweight females with high cholesterol. So we're going to be the first ones to tell you that your high cholesterol is not always caused by your diet. But before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, Sarah, why don't you tell everyone, you know, what is cholesterol? Why do we need it? Yeah, we definitely want it. So that's like like anything in the body. It's about how much, what it's doing in the body, all of the things. But cholesterol is a lipid and it is essential for cell formation. Um, it makes up your your cell membranes and it's a precursor to a lot of other important things in the body like cortisol, like uh, hormones, sex hormones. Um, it helps with the conversion um, of vitamin D, essential for bile acids. We need it. Um, it's when it becomes dysregulated that it can become an issue. Definitely. And I think it gets a bad rep, right? People think cholesterol is bad. I have to eat a low cholesterol diet. I have to avoid at all costs. And that's definitely not the case, especially if you are a female, right? Because like Sarah mentioned, your cholesterol can be too high, but it can also be too low. So when we're talking about cholesterol and evaluating our levels, what labs do you usually recommend? Yeah. So what labs do I recommend? So I think it's important to also going back to like everything in the body affects everything. So a, a problematic lipid panel is usually secondary to another issue. So whenever you do get labs, you want to get, you know, a comprehensive panel, you know, based off your health history, your current symptoms, 
Um, but as far as the cholesterol panel that most people are like getting from their doctor, like one, you'll have your, your total cholesterol, which measure measures, um, that total circulating cholesterol in the body. Um, and then do you want me to go through each one? Yeah, sure. Or do you want me just to rattle them off? Rattle them off and then we can talk about them. Okay. So we have cholesterol, your total cholesterol, and then we have your HDL cholesterol, LDL cholesterol, triglycerides, and then um, sometimes a VLDL will be on a basic panel. And then sometimes they'll include ratios, but you can always calculate those yourself. Definitely. And I like how you started by saying like, cholesterol alone, it's really not that helpful. Like if somebody sends me like I've had consults send me like, Hey, my mom's having trouble losing weight. She has high cholesterol. I'm like, okay, like, that's not helpful unless we know more things about her, right? How is her thyroid? How is her liver functioning? What is her gut health like? Like, does she poop? So that's where getting that full panel, which normally your doctor runs like your CMP, your CBC cholesterol and um, hemoglobin A1C. So that at least gives us a better picture of metabolic health. Right. And what about, you know, the whole good versus bad cholesterol thing? Yeah. So that's like, I feel like that's still like what your doctor tells you is this is HDL, this is your good cholesterol, this LDL, it's your bad cholesterol. And it's a little, little more like nuanced than that. Um, and maybe we'll dive into it more later, but there is more advanced testing that can look more specifically into that, that LDL. So LDL transports cholesterol from the liver to other tissues in your body. And it has the potential to become oxidized. And that's why it's referred to as the bad cholesterol a lot of times. Um, but it's about the, the size and the number of those particles as well. Um, and if your LDL-C on a cholesterol, basic cholesterol panel is high, there's more of a potential that you might have LDL particles that are, you know, oxidized or, or problematic, dysregulated in the body. So that's where it gets kind of that bad LDL, that bad, you know, kind of label. Um, but you do want it there. You do want it present. And HDL is definitely a good guy too. We want him there too. Um, but it's not just that simple, good, bad. Yeah, it's definitely not. And we don't want LDL to be too low, right? Because it has so many roles in the body with transportation of other molecules, etc. I feel like the more problematic one is the triglycerides, right? Because yeah. those are essentially blood that I mean, fat that is in your blood, right? So that is where we start to see thickening of arteries, clogged arteries, issues with cardiovascular disease, and that just that buildup in the blood vessels. So that one is, in my opinion, really the main one that is problematic. I often am not super concerned if I just see a high total cholesterol and everything else is pretty normal. Um, but again, you know, if we see those triglycerides high, that is where I'm like, all right, that is a little bit more concerning. And that's really the only time that I'll be like, we need to like drastically change your macros to cater towards lower fat. But otherwise, I almost never drop my clients fats when, when their cholesterol is a little bit higher. Right. Yeah. Because like you, you mentioned earlier, like your the cholesterol that's in your body, like 75% of that is made from your body, made from the liver. And it's really only like 25%. It's like influenced by food. Um, I mean, we might have to adjust your diet 
if certain other things are impacting your cholesterol levels. But yeah, same as far as like the triglycerides being one I'm, you know, more, you know, readily concerned about as far as the dietary changes. Um, and I don't know if we're going to get into ranges. I mean, everyone's going to have different ranges that they like to see, but if like your cholesterol is like a 210 and everything else looks good, like I don't feel that that's high. Like, like it might be lab high, but like barely. Yeah, I agree. I feel like that one really isn't too concerning, especially because the next thing we're going to dive into is like, well, why is your cholesterol high if you're healthy otherwise? And some of those reasons make perfect sense, like aging or being on birth control. I find that sometimes HDL can get very, very high, which is okay to a certain degree. Usually we want HDL for women to be what? Is it 50 and to 60? Yeah, I'll usually say like, 50 to 90, it, but it kind of depends on the rest of the panel. Exactly. Because HDL is that protective cholesterol. It's going to help promote cardiovascular health. And that's where, you know, most of those HDL type cholesterol lipids are going to come from those healthy dietary fats, like omega-3s, for example. Right. But I mean, you mentioned like birth control. So HDL absorbs cholesterol and takes it back to the liver. So, and then the liver flushes it out of the body and we know birth control, you know, has an impact on liver, gut health. So if that process isn't maybe happening, um, as well as it could, that's where we could see HDL kind of creeping up a little bit. Yeah. And there is research to show that like clinically high HDL is not, maybe not equally as problematic, but still a risk for cardiovascular disease. So Sarah, what if, you know, you have a client come to you and they're like, I feel like I literally do everything right. I eat healthy. I exercise. Why is my cholesterol so high? What are some common causes besides like overweight and diet and, and diet? I feel like genetics is a good one to talk about first because you can have familial high levels and you kind of want to know that like ideally, like if you can look at your cholesterol over the period of your life and know like, oh, I always trend you know, around this 220 mark, you know, whatever. I think that's helpful to know. Um, so that, but then like you touched on earlier, thyroid being sluggish, um, poor gut health, liver health, certain medications, aging, um, can, can be some other causes. Definitely. And I think, you know, one of the biggest ones, at least that I see with some of my females that come to me after, you know, the typical years of dieting or just under eating because they don't really know how to eat the right way. And when I see high cholesterol in those cases, usually the first thing we think about is stress and how it is impacting everything downstream, right? Our HPA axis is what controls basically all of our, most of our hormone circulation in re relation to the thyroid, in relation to cortisol, adrenaline, all of those other hormones that modulate your metabolism and how your body break down, breaks down fuel. So both carbohydrates, lipids, and then, you know, obviously protein, which is a little bit less important in this conversation. So if somebody, you know, is coming to us with prolonged periods of stress, whether it's from an injury, a contest prep, um, coming off of birth control, losing their period, that's where that cholesterol can start to build up in the body as what is initially a protective mechanism. But at a certain point, when that stress is so high, things in the pathway are blocked off. So cholesterol is no longer able 
to be used to produce hormones because your body's like, we're too stressed. We don't need those, right? It's no longer that able to be a precursor for vitamin D because that process has been blunted by, by that stress. Yeah. You brought up probably the biggie, right? It always comes back to stress in some way, because like, even if it is like, we look at your, your blood work and your thyroid is a little suboptimal. Why is it suboptimal? There's probably a stress component to that. And stress can be a lot of things, but yeah, I mean, what your body's been through, what your mind has been through, how you're currently processing all of that. Absolutely. So, I mean, the way I like to explain it too, because a lot of times you'll see triglycerides high too. Um, and the way I like to explain it is your body is almost like liberating those like fatty acids for you to use for fuel because it thinks you're running from a tiger. Um, it doesn't know that it's your boss and he's an asshole or you just look at your phone all night and run on caffeine, whatever. Your body doesn't know what the stress is. It just knows there's a stress. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of a, a reason why. And then like you said, like we're not like all systems show down. So we're not clearing it out like we could. Yeah. Your body's like, you're in the forest, literally running from a tiger. You're not going to eat for four days. Like, let me liberate some triglycerides. And that's also where we see that high blood glucose level because it's your body's also liberating or basically, you know, freeing extra fuel in the forms of glucose um, and fatty acids for your body to use as fuel because it thinks you're going to be in a state of famine, which in our day and age is not the case. So then not only do we have the the fuel from your internal systems, endogenous, we also have, you know, what we're putting in your body. But I don't want you to think, okay, well, I just won't eat because that is only going to dig us down a bigger rabbit hole, right? So Sarah, what happens if somebody is like chronically under eating and their body is in kind of that deprived state for too long? How does that impact our cholesterol levels? What kind of same reason what I just said is like your body needs fuel from somewhere, right? So it's going to kind of liberate that for, for fuel. Um, I see that a lot in, um, people that have a history, you know, of under eating, um, that come to work with me. I mean, I saw it in my own labs for, you know, a period of time when I was, you know, in, you know, had an eating disorder and then in early recovery. Um, so absolutely. And you mentioned gut health. So I feel like with gut health, the big thing, like we mentioned, is cholesterol helps us produce bile acids, which is a key factor in digesting our food, but especially our dietary fat. So I feel like I see this a lot, like with my GI map clients, when we when we test and we see that that beta glucuronidase is high, liver function is struggling a little bit, and we might even see steatocrit high, which would mean, you know, there's fat in the stool. And typically, when we have constipation, that could be a sign that our body's not producing enough bile. And what are some other symptoms that you see of that, like just liver, gallbladder issues? Yeah, so like floating stool or um, like like gray color, um, just trouble digesting higher fat meals. So like you'll like notice like that's when symptoms kind of flare up for you. Skin issues, you know, always I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think you touched on some biggies. Uh, the pain on the right side is one that I will get every once in a while when we have like a liver or gallbladder issue. I actually once had a client end up in the ER because her pain was so bad. And they were like, yeah, your gallbladder is like really inflamed. So we realized that 
And she was also one of those like super, super lean just from years of not being able to gain weight with her gut issues and, and all of that. And she, her cholesterol labs were were very high and she actually ended up having like medical issues with her gallbladder and liver. So, you know, with that, and we'll, I'm sure we'll dive into some bigger rocks of like what you can actually take away from this when it comes to diet, exercise, lifestyle. But one thing specifically, if you are experiencing some of those GI related symptoms would be to really support that bile flow. So I tend to start like less aggressive with something like a dandelion root tea and then adding bitter foods like lemons, arugula, greens, um, and things of that nature before adding in some more aggressive help with for bile at least. Right. Yeah. Cause you don't want to, you don't want to go too hard with that. No, cause you could get diarrhea and that's not fun either. Yeah. <gasps> Okay. So we've talked about, you know, why cholesterol can be too high. And I think the last one that we haven't touched on a ton is menopause. I see that a lot with my postmenopausal women. It's like, as we age, we start to see our cholesterol numbers creep up. We might also start to see blood glucose values getting a little bit higher. And why does that happen? So largely due to estrogen declining, um, you know, fluctuating erratically and then eventually declining um, after menopause. But so estrogen, we love her. She's great, not the devil again. Um, But she, I mean, promotes um, elasticity in the blood vessels and dilates blood vessels. So that kind of helps, you know, as far as like particles continuing to move along as they should. Um, and it also helps regulate metabolism of lipids in your liver. Um, so when estrogen levels drop during menopause, this leads to higher LDL cholesterol and triglyceride levels, or it can, um, I should say. And this is where like, this is why like, we'll talk about like avoiding alcohol, you know, and being more diligent about certain health practices and routines, like your sleep high quality diet, blood sugar regulation and and management, because we just don't have the protectiveness of estrogen um, anymore. Definitely. That's probably the big one. And then you're just also not producing as many sex hormones. So that cholesterol isn't always being used. That's also where Again, all these changes with aging and menopause, they can be avoided by continuing the habits that, you know, we talk about all the time of sleeping and exercising and eating enough and just treating your body well. All of that can be avoided. Your metabolism doesn't necessarily have to decline. But I feel like that's something that a lot of women as they age start to notice is, hey, you know, everything's slowing down. I'm constipated more often and, you know, I'm gaining weight. And a lot of that is due to these hormonal shifts. That is a very, very stressful time for our bodies. Um, but that is often where, you know, we'll see that cholesterol be high, but I've seen this with a couple of my clients and even like my mom is where, you know, once they pass that initial like symptom storm of perimenopause, they've dipped into menopause, which is that like full year without a bleed, things start to calm down. And I've seen cholesterol return to normal with really no intervention outside of just like healthy lifestyle. So that's where, before we even dive into low cholesterol, what are some practical takeaways that, you know, somebody could focus on if they do have high cholesterol? Yeah, I would say looking at lowering inflammation is going to be a big one looking at because it's like the inflammation that can cause kind of that, that storm that leads to those 
particles becoming oxidized. So, you know, that's definitely what we want to avoid. So that's going to look like stress, sleep, diet quality. So, I mean, really like thinking about like a whole foods based diet, um, focusing on, you know, high protein at each meal, blood sugar regulation. So making, you know, balanced meals, no naked carbs is what I like to say. So like, you know, pairing carbs with a fat or a protein, for example. Um, and then alcohol, I mean, that's a big one like that we want to, you know, avoid, um, looking at like the quality of your fats. So like, I don't like to tell people like, oh, avoid saturated fat, but we want to look at like, where is it coming from? And like, how are you cooking it? Um, trans fats, we do kind of want to avoid, but if you're eating mostly whole foods, you're going to naturally, you know, avoid trans fats because they're found in, you know, highly processed foods. Um, and then there was something else I was going to say, and, oh, did, oh, fiber, fiber just mm. kind of goes along with the whole food thing, but focusing on soluble fiber, yeah, soluble fiber can help. Words with are lowering, hard today. Um, yeah. Words are hard. It can help with lowering uh, cholesterol. So that's going to be things like oats, um, barley, apples, um, just in general, like fruits and veggies, you know, are going to be really, you know, good sources of both soluble and insoluble fibers. I'm glad you mentioned fiber because I don't know why I like totally forgot about that, but that is probably one of the biggest things. Low hanging fruit, right? It is a low hanging fruit and that also will help you poop, right? So if you are constipated, it's always back to poop with you. I love talking about poop. Let me tell you, <laughs> um, it is always back to poop. Like I was actually like brainstorming. I mean, it's true. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like brainstorming like random ideas for like what I call a course or like a group program when I do that for like gut health. And I was actually, I don't want to say it on here because somebody's going to steal it. I'm not saying it. Forget I said anything, guys. But anyway, um, the gut is everything. The gut is the center. So, you know, if you are not pooping, cholesterol is not being excreted. So that's where... Fiber is going to help because it's going to act to absorb some of that cholesterol and help with your liver absorption of it and excretion of it through the bile in your poop, right? So that's where back to poop, you know, if you're not, if you're not pooping properly, that is going to, that's going to play a role. So that's where water, proper hydration, fiber, and then like Sarah mentioned, avoiding things that cause your body inflammation. And that might look different for everybody, depending on your food preferences, your diet history, um, and your in your gut health, but alcohol is going to be the big one. Like, yeah, I know it's hard, especially during during times of maybe stress where you know, you just want to live in your life. But learning how to have fun in situations that include alcohol without drinking is probably going to be the one of the best things that you could do for your health. But especially if you are navigating, you know, the struggle to lose weight, high cholesterol, and just overall like metabolic syndrome like issues. Yeah. And one more thing I wanted to mention was asking your doctor or looking into for yourself more advanced testing. So there's mm -hmm. something called an NMR profile. Um, and it goes a little bit more in depth, like we were talking at the start of the podcast, and it has something called APOB, which might be a better predictor of your coronary, you know, artery disease risks than LDL-C that's in your typical cholesterol panel and triglycerides. 
Um, so, you know, if you do have that like familial history or, you know, you're somebody that's always trending low or you really are doing all the things, like we said, like giving your thyroid some love, all the things, um, gut health, stress, nutrients, blood sugar balancing, you know, it definitely wouldn't hurt, you know, if you can afford it. Um, and maybe like looking at a fasted insulin as well, just to kind of get a, a gauge on, you know, kind of where you are as far as like insulin sensitivity, um, that will also kind of help you for moving forward. That is a good point about the insulin. Cause that's not one that doctors will commonly run. So if you are going to your doctor to get like their normal assessment for the fasting insulin, um, cause again, like Sarah mentioned, uh, metabolic syndrome. So those are going to be things like, you know, prediabetes, diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, those all kind of go, go hand in hand to some degree with aging. So making sure that, you get those bases covered are is going to be helpful. But I think the biggest, the biggest rock when it comes to the high cholesterol is just managing your overall stress bucket. And that's where you know, exercise plays a role, because we do need to exercise in order to regulate our cholesterol, um, we kind of need to find our sweet spot. So making sure that you're eating enough, you're eating balanced meals, especially prioritizing carbohydrates and not skipping out on them. So that way, your body can regulate its compensatory mechanisms related to cortisol release, related to stress, um, and you can benefit from those those training sessions. Yeah, I like that. And yeah, getting like, like you said, like you don't have people lower fats, you focus on the good quality fats, especially like, we didn't really touch on it so much, but low cholesterol, like that's usually, they're often a sign of malnutrition. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many like, like your fat soluble vitamins. They need oh, it. Like, yeah, they're key, you know, so, you know, getting those eggs and avocado and salmon and all that good stuff. I think low cholesterol is very common, at least in a lot of the populations that we associate ourselves with, like those of us that do have a really big dieting history, eating disorders, birth control use. Because if you do have low levels of body fat, it's very possible that you are going to have low cholesterol. But I think the other thing too, because I've had clients like come and message me with their labs after they got them from their doctor, freaking the hell out that their doctor was like, you have high cholesterol, you're basically going to die. Oh my God. And I'm like, it's really not that big of a deal. Like, it's very good to know this is great information. Like, thank you. But you're going to be fine. Like, you don't go from healthy cholesterol to near death cardiovascular events overnight or in a year, right? So usually it's like, all right, cholesterol's higher than it was last year, a few years ago. Why? There's a reason why. What changed causing that, right? Figure that out and focus on that. And I think that's probably like the biggest missing piece is like getting to the why, both from, you know, our industry, but especially Western medicines. Yeah, and exactly like you said, like using the lab as a guide and as a tool and not something to fear, not something to put on a pedestal, using it as a tool. For sure. And like, that's all it is. That's all you can do is take a big look at like, well, what am I doing now? And like, what small changes can I make? So that may be looking at your diet and removing a little bit more of the processed foods and replacing them with more whole foods. That might be as simple as adding one more fruit per day. Um, back to like the specific macro splits. Again, this is going to widely depend on why your cholesterol is high, right? And I've told this to some of my mentorship clients when we've done these cases, like 
if you see somebody whose cholesterol is high, but their cortisol is also through the roof, even if they're overweight, dieting them is not going to help them at that time. You need to get that cortisol down. You need to regulate that person's stress and keep carbohydrates on the higher side. That's where maybe I would I would pull fats down and and really focus on that on that carb push, especially if somebody's overweight, right? Because the more body fat you have, realistically, the lower dietary fat that you can eat, assuming your hormones are healthy, right? Because if you don't have a period, we cannot slash fat usually. Yeah, I like to, I mean, I like, like, like you said, look at the rest of the panel, like maybe I'll do a carb cycle. Um, You know, maybe I'll like, kind of have, you know, phase their diet a little bit. So maybe I will have like, you know, a couple weeks or a month of higher fats, lower carbs, then maybe I'll push it, you know, the other way. Um, but not extreme. <laughs> so yeah, I think um, like, like, or with thyroid, for example, like we're not going to diet you if your thyroid is, is low. Um, I like doing high low days. If somebody, you know, can do that, like from a schedule standpoint or planning standpoint, um, cardio, including cardio, you know, can be helpful. Again, like if your cortisol is through the roof, I'm probably not going to tack on card- cardio, but I'm going to keep it like, you know, two moderate, you know, intensity sessions, something like that. Definitely. And I think we both just have such a similar approach with not taking extremes when it comes to modifying our clients' plans, right? Like we're I know, not, I know. Putting... I'm sorry, that makes me boring or I know. It's you not should be doing the like, let's give people, let's give people's bodies the tools to do their thing. And then like you said, like a lot of times people will ask, they'll be like, oh, well, do you think this is a big deal? Do you think that's a big deal? I'm like, well, if you have three things that you're like, is this maybe a big deal? Is it not? If they're like the one things that you're not changing, maybe they are a big deal. You know, maybe we do need to kind of dive into them a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. And if, if if you or your coach, if you're a coach and you don't understand like why something's happening in the body, that's the first thing to figure out is like, okay, you know, we have this issue. Why? And sometimes, especially if your labs are fine, besides the high cholesterol, it is just one of those things where we make sure that you're doing everything to be as healthy as you can and live a normal life for you and just watch and wait. Right. Like, yeah. this, like we mentioned, this isn't something that's going to kill you overnight. Um, and obviously, this is not medical advice. But you know, from a nutrition and therapy standpoint, the biggest thing is going to be, you know, that blood sugar balance, eating meals every three to four, three to five hours, and making sure that you're you're not skimping out on on fiber, on color and on protein, all of these things that are going to help with the detoxification and and turnover of cholesterol in a healthy way. Agree. Cool. Well, this was a pretty quick and easy episode. If you guys have any follow-up questions on anything that we talked about, if you want us to look at your labs, just shoot us a message. I will include Sarah's Instagram in the show notes. And thank you so much for hanging out with us.